Anesthesia Deconstructed is supported by National University's CRNA program. National University's CRNA program is one of the nation's top programs for CRNAs and dedicated to making you a successful CRNA. The program doesn't just prepare you for entry-level practice. National focuses on making you a full-service provider and gives you insight into what is actually happening in the industry. With connections to faculty with backgrounds in advanced clinical practice, academics, research, and anesthesia services management. Learn more at nu.edu. Welcome to Anesthesia Deconstructed. Science, politics, realities. Listen in as medical professionals join industry experts, Dr. Mike McKinnon and Dr. Joseph Rodriguez, to discuss the latest science and medical advancements, the effects of our political climate, and the reality of today's changing healthcare environment. Let's get started with your hosts, Dr. Mike McKinnon and Dr. Joseph Rodriguez. Hey, everybody. So on this podcast, we have brought on all sorts of guests, people from the Federal Trade Commission and lawyers and accountants and CRNAs and anesthesiologists and even former AAs who became CRNAs. Right? So that's one big part of anesthesia. But there's other parts of anesthesia that we also want to deconstruct. And earlier in the year, we said that we are going to bring different type of guests in the future. And we are now doing that. We had on the show today, Josh Condado. He's been a CRNA since 2018. He started a real estate investment company. I've seen these things pop around the internet. And I wanted to get him on the show to talk about money and investment because it's it's a weird thing that no one knows how to talk about money in a smart way. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of commentary on the internet. And people really, they, it, it seems like we talk about these things, but we're not super educated on them. At least I know that I'm not. Because even in this episode, I said something that was completely wrong. So there's still things that I am learning. So I wanted to have them on the show. Be curious. Ask a lot of questions. I really enjoy the conversation, and I hope you do too. Well, welcome back to Anesthesia Deconstructed. We have a very special guest, a guy who is 10 years younger than me. And gosh, he looks at, no one can see you, Josh, but you look super young and you have a really, really good camera and 50-point bonus score for your really cool background. Uh, go Packers. Welcome to the show. Go Pack. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Josh Condado, you are one of the owners in All Day Investments and you're a CRNA and you've been an RN for about we were an RN in 2012, right? CRNA in 2018. And then you yes. got involved on the money side of things, on the investment side of things. So, so tell us all about it. Everyone's everyone's talking about money these days. That's honestly, I was like, this guy looks interesting to talk to. I wanted to talk to you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah. yeah, so money. I mean, you, you say money is talked about a lot, but I, I see it not being talked about enough. And mm -hmm. that's that's why I just recently... I was extremely anti-social media for such a long time. I actually I deleted all my accounts because it for a while it was just getting in the way of my family life and other things. Um, but course, when I decided to start start involving myself in media and a little bit more, um, it was because I wish people had talked about it more when I was. I mean, you say I'm ten years younger than you now, but I wish I wish people had talked to me about it when I was ten years you know younger than myself. Ten right years now. younger than yeah. What what makes you say that? What uh, we'll we'll get into the company and everything, but. What makes it? What would you have done ten years ago differently than you're than you're doing now? Um, well, you mentioned uh, um, I started buying real estate, or I don't know if you mentioned that yet, but I started buying real estate 
I started buying four years ago and everybody knows okay. I haven't in real estate for in the last four years. Yeah. So it's I, gone way I, up. if I had bought it 10 years ago, just imagine where it could have been. Oh yeah. So that's, that's a good that's point. I wish, I wish I was exposed to this, this type of stuff 10 years ago. Cause I would have gotten in and um, I'm, I'm very much uh, like a ready, ready fire aim type of a person. And I know I would have, I would have been, been in on the game 10 years ago if I had been exposed to it. So, and we're going to get into the details and we definitely want to dive into, but I want to drive a little bit further on this. If you had known what you know now, would you have still become a CRNA? Yes, I think okay. so. I think yeah. so. I think so. <laughs> that sounds like about 60%, but maybe 70% sure there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love doing anesthesia and I love everything about anesthesia. Um, there was a lot co- coming right out of school. There was a lot more and, and you're a lot more heavily involved in the politics side of things. There was a lot more of that than I had realized. And it it was very difficult for me to get over some of that stuff when I first started. Yeah, it, it's unfortunately a tension filled field. But what, what I think you probably represent more of the mean, right? More like like a normal person. I'm abnormal. I'm a, I'm a weirdo, <laughs> frankly. I have like, uh, you know, my pre-existing disease is workaholicism. You know, like it's it's strange. I've realized that about myself. But what um again before we get into the investments company, what was so uncomfortable with that? What I call interprofessional tension, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming into this the field. Well, I think it started when I was in school. Um, I was extremely motivated. I wanted to be the best at everything when I was done. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like I was probably, I mean, I don't want to say I was working harder than the rest of my classmates, but I mean, in a way, I feel like I might have been. Like I was looking, I was taking out opportunities to become good at central lines, good at blocks, good at a lot of things that some of my other classmates weren't exposed to and didn't really try to assert themselves into those type of situations. Right. Sounds like and, you made so, those advanced experiences a priority. Definitely. Yeah. Because um, mm-hmm. I know we talked about it before. My dad's a CRNA and he works independent practice. And that was always always my goal um, was mm-hmm. to do that. And I knew I, I had to be ready. And actually, funny thing, it started out with like IVs. Like even as a nurse, I was, t- I was terrible at IVs. And then when I got into anesthesia school, it's like, oh, I better get better at these because because we're going to be called for the most difficult ones. That's right. That's right. Um, so it kind of started off in school. And, and I think some of my preceptors saw my work ethic and saw that I was seeking out opportunities. Um, and so I feel like I, in school, I was giving a lot, given a lot more uh, leeway and my boundaries were a little bit wider than, than most other students. So then when I took my first job up here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, I felt like I was taking several steps back because I... I found a job that was very heavily directed and that didn't fit my goals or my personality in the slightest. And so that was kind of part of the the reason that I, I feel like there's a lot more political tension or maybe not even political tension, just tension in general in, in the workforce um, at this yeah. particular hospital. And I mean, come to find out now, I've, I've switched hospitals a few times and found one that fits me perfect. But that, okay. that first one was just not the best fit for me. And I didn't realize it at the time. I'm sure that played a role in being involved in a, what sounds like a startup uh, as mm-hmm. far as the, yeah. And then Absolutely. did you find the current practice you're at? Is that, um, is that an all CRNA practice or an all, or the mixed practice or what's it like currently? It is. So the hospital I work out at now, um, it's a, it's a, like a two on two off type of position. It's a, mm-hmm. there's two ORs and one endo suite. I share the position with one other CRNA. So there's one CRNA per day in this hospital. Okay. okay. And so when I'm there, I'm, I'm the only anesthesia provider in the hospital. 
Okay. Got it. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it's interesting because you seem like a super nice guy. You know, <laughs> it, like you do not strike me as like hard hitting my way or the highway. Right. What, there, there's a fine line. There's definitely a fine line. I Most yeah. of the time I go path of least resistance, um, but occasionally things will build up and build up. And then I'm just like, I'll find a new job. I'll, I'll find somewhere better because I know there's yeah. somewhere better than this. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, your experience, because I think this ties in to the investment side as well, as far as what drives, um, frankly, what's kind of a turnoff from healthcare in general, right? It's kind of like, if we don't talk about it, how do we get better at it? The experiences you had in school when you were doing some of these advanced procedures, presumably some of these sites at, were both physicians and CRNAs, mm-hmm. I, I would think. So it sounds like it was just that site that you went to right out of school. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like an anti-physician thing. It was a, this site treats CRNAs, for lack of a better term, as you know, amateurs, paraprofessionals, mm-hmm. not full professionals. Is that a fair characterization? That's exactly how it was. And and the person that I learned the most from in school was a physician. So I, I, I had nothing against physicians when I was in school, but then coming to this first job, it was like night and day different. Like they did not respect anybody that was not a physician. They didn't, it was like one of those where like, if you have the induction drugs in your hand and you're ready to induce, they'll like grab them out of your hands and then push them for you. That's really odd. <laughs> like, like <laughs> who, who? I mean, come on! You're, you're like, and I, it, I wish uh, I had known the right questions to ask in my interview. But mm-hmm. I mean, first job out of school, I, just, I don't know. I guess a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. Like, you don't feel like you have anything to bring to the table. You're just like, give me my first job, and then maybe I can negotiate. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I did the core. Have, have you? Have you been I, I listened to that yesterday. That was uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's easy to find a job, right? Not not the right yeah. job. A job's easy. The right job's hard. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry you had that experience. That's unfortunate. And it, you know, I always tell people sometimes the more you try to control things, the more you try to squeeze it in your hand, the more it comes out of your hands. You know, like you, you got to hold things gently sometimes and it, it works a little bit better in life. So had this tension in experience early on. Not a healthy environment, it sounds like. And then you switch to, switch to what? 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 Tell me all about all day investments. Okay, so, so all day investments was. Um, so I, I have some family that buys rental properties and stuff, and none of it's like that attractive. It's just like, oh, you buy a house, and in thirty years, it's paid off, and then you know you make some money from it. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, I have some some other like some cousins that live uh, where do they live now? I think Colorado, somewhere out there. And we grew, we all grew up together, and I'm very familiar with his backstory. Um, just hard worker, um, didn't have like a super high income to where he can just put it all into buying investments and stuff. So I, I know, I know his story, and okay. he was able to acquire a lot more investments in real estate than than I would have imagined from from somebody that I grew up with. Yeah. And, uh, so that was kind of the start of what made me start thinking of it. I was like, oh wow, he's doing really good. Maybe I should look into this. Okay. Um, and me and my me and my brother-in-law, we talked about it a lot. And then eventually in 2020, we decided to put our money together because neither one of us felt like we had enough money to just go buy something alone. So we we put our money together and bought our first uh, property in, in May of 2020. May of 2020. Okay. Yeah. Do you mind just for the sake of the audience? Because if, if I'm listening and I'm, you know, average CRNA, like I make decent money, but I don't have, you know, a hundred grand laying around. Mm-hmm. Um, what... If you don't feel, let me ask you two questions. No, uh, you ask can, me anything. 
you can ask, you can answer either one. Um, how much was your initial investment from you personally? And if, and if that's too much or if that's too invasive, uh, maybe how much is the, you know, a normal, what's a normal <laughs> amount that one would invest if they're looking for this sort of thing? It's a lot easier for me to talk about my experiences. So I'll get, I'll okay. give you exactly, I'll give you the numbers. I'm not, I'm not trying to hide anything. Um, okay. And this is kind of like, to your point, like you're like, I don't have a hundred grand lying around. I didn't either. And that's why I kind of paired up with my brother-in-law. Our first property we bought, and it's harder to find these now, but they're still out there if you go out into the rural um, areas, which yeah. is where ours was. So we bought our first property we bought for $35,000 cash. Okay. Um, More we, doable. Mm-hmm. We put about 25000 into it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I mean, 55000 all in. And then we, we went to the bank after we yep. fixed it up and we're like, hey, we got this house. It's cash. We yeah. get some money out, refinance it, and uh, it appraised for eighty thousand dollars. Okay. And so a lot of banks they'll they'll do a cash out refinance about seventy five to eighty percent loan to value, which the value was given to us at eighty thousand, and we okay. were able to pull sixty thousand dollars out of the deal. And that was kind of where the light bulb moment kind of happened because we got all of our money back and a little bit more, and now we yep. have this house that's producing cash for us. Mm-hmm. And we're like, wow, let's do this again. Okay. So you, so to recap, you put 55 in, mm-hmm. you got it appraised at 80, mm-hmm. you got 60 out of it yep. on, on a loan term. So you basically took a mortgage yep. out on it essentially. Exactly. Or oh, I guess, well, you took the cash out of the value of the home. Right. Right. It's, so a, it's a mortgage that we took out. Yeah. 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 Basically borrowing from yourself because you own the house or, or does the bank own it at that point? I guess the bank owns. I mean, the it's, loan. it's you like when you it's like buying a primary residence. Okay. Because you don't like the there's a mortgage on it, but you still own the house. So it was right. the same situation okay. there. Right. So you made ten percent on your money immediately. Well, not immediately, but as soon as you got that cash, you made ten percent. And mm-hmm. then you are I'm thinking about the other costs there, right? Then you have to account for the uh, cost of the mortgage, right? Whatever mm-hmm. bank fees are, right? Um and then you have to account for the ongoing cost. So did you start to rent that house out? Yeah. Yep. So right now that that mortgage and granted we refinanced this in 2020, so rates are substantially lower than they are today. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but the mortgage payment on that, mortgage taxes and insurance payment on that is all $400 and that particular house rents for 825 right now. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's so you're basically clearing 200 mo- 200 a month, 200 and change a month. That's around mm-hmm. twenty four hundred a year or some something like that, right? Yes, and that's after we got all of our money back. Right. So, it's, so right now we have no none of our own money into this property. Okay, interesting. And so all the investments, how does so that was your first real estate venture, so to speak? Um, mm-hmm. You know what is? So I'm I'm a new guy and I see all the investments website. What's the you know what's the pitch right? What what's the um, the appeal the value? Like how do I like how do I get involved in all the investments as a you know somebody that's listening to this podcast? Um, well, so we we actually I wasn't planning on like pitch, using this as a pitch or anything. But, oh, I know, um, I know. I see. This is why I don't plan. I don't don't do too too much planning. I like that like it to happen organically. Sounds, sounds good. Every, everyone can hear awkward laughter at this point in the uh, the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we we recently started raising money for certain deals that we're finding, and um, okay. that's kind of. 
that that was uh, wasn't going to mention that but since since you brought it up like we we started and we we took our first uh, loan out or our first private money loan from a buddy of mine um and he gave okay. us 200 grand this Whoa. this particular one was one of those where he had 200 grand sitting in the bank and we all know that banks don't really give you a huge return on your money mm-hmm. so he was making like 1% in a savings account and i was like hey we can give you we can give you 8 or 10% on that same money and give it back to you in a few years and he was all in wow so that, so you can structure private money in different ways, but that, that was the first way that we structured it. Okay. That's very interesting. So I noticed you're marketing to RNs. Yeah. Correct. And yes. then so you're basically trying to pool money and buy real estate, own it over the long term, and jump into the real estate market like that. Do I have a good mm-hmm. summary of it? Yeah. And um, we're, we're market or not, not necessarily marketing, but I'm just trying to get the word out there. And it, it's, you can educate yourself in the past better than you can educate anyone else. So I used to be a nurse. I feel like I can educate nurses in this area a little bit, a little mm-hmm. bit better than I can educate some random plumber or some, some, and just anyone else. So I can, I can speak to either CRNAs, new CRNAs or nurses probably better than I can speak to anyone else. So that's kind of why we're trying to speak to nurses the most right now. Okay. And, and, how and other long- CRNAs. How long has the company been going? Uh, we bought our first property May 2020, and uh, we we bought. Oh yeah, we have a total of eight properties right now. Um, okay. And I think if we added, I haven't. I probably should, but I haven't added up the total value of our portfolio right now. I would say probably around four million dollars. Okay. Wow, that's not a small number. Yeah. Well, and it's just it's compounding, and the, the value of time, and um, I mean, we have our own podcast where we speak to nurses, and that's kind of mm-hmm. that's the premise of the entire process, uh, podcast. It's it's called investing RN, RN mm-hmm. being a registered nurse, but also being mm-hmm. right now because the most valuable asset is your time. If you buy an asset now, it'll be worth more later. That is very interesting. Why? What do you think is the barrier to uh, like? Why aren't more people doing this? I wish I knew the answer to that. And yeah. that's, I think it's exposure. I, I think that's probably a big part of it. Like I was yeah. not exposed to any of this until, until I saw some of my cousins doing it or some of my family mm-hmm. members doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think exposure is probably one of the biggest hurdles to not people not doing this. And granted it's, it's work. It's not easy. Um, so that would yeah. be another, another barrier. Um, sure. Or, or just being around other people that are doing it. Yeah. Would, would you describe it as passive income? No, <laughs> you can, you, you can. So I'm, I'm um, what's called a limited partner in several other deals and syndications. Um, okay. That is completely passive. However, okay. you don't control your money and that's controls kind of, I know a lot of CRNAs, they, they want control. <laughs> that's why you, you go, I don't know that's why you go back to school. I've never experienced that. Yeah. <laughs> so control <laughs> would be a, a reason why I wouldn't want to be a limited partner. However, I am. Um, and mm-hmm. that would be, that, that would be the only completely passive income is if you're a limited partner, but then you lose the control. Right. Um, and it's, and I think, and for the, for the listeners, uh, I did not prompt you. I did not prep you for that question. Right. I think probably the biggest, uh, especially in regards to finances, and maybe the biggest lie is too strong of a word, but when people say passive income, I'm just like, there's no income that is passive unless it's like, a, a vanguard stock where you you, know, you literally sign a check and maybe you get something back, but you, even that is risk, right? You right. take risk and they always put that disclaimer, future performance and past performance doesn't reflect future performance. 
Um, so yes, I agree with your answer and probably would have <laughs> taken it somewhere differently. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, it's totally passive. I'd be like, really? Um, yeah. which actually does lead me to my, my next question. What's it? I mean, so you're a landlord, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you, what's that like? Um, it's fine. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see. So I actually, I mean, I mentioned I have partners. Um, so yeah. we, we each, we each handle our own specific designated agreed part of the, uh, responsibility, um, being, yeah. being the management is not my part of the responsibility. Um, mine okay. is more funding the deals, um, and working with the banks. It's more financial responsibility. So whether mm-hmm. it's me bringing some of my own money or working directly with the banks to, to fund the deals. That would okay. be my, my part of the agreement. Um, okay. My brother-in-law and sister, they handle all of the tenant um, complaints, management, tenant relations, tenants, tenant relations, all Got of it. that. Got it. Okay. So Very good. Yeah. I am a landlord, but as our, as our team indicates, I don't do a whole lot of that, that type of stuff. Okay. Interesting. What's the, have you ever done commercial real estate? Um, so if you buy, uh, I mean like apartments and, and what we buy, we actually buy mobile home parks. That's our, okay. that's our niche. That's how you started. Um, yeah. Or that's what you're doing. Yeah. That's what we're doing now. That's our main focus. Mm-hmm. Okay. We started out with yeah. a small single family, um, okay. as I mentioned earlier, and then it kind of just worked our way up. Um, and the more, the more you do, the more comfortable you get. Um, mm-hmm. I would say like our most recent deal is we, it's a mobile home park for that. We are buying for 825,000. I'm a whole lot less nervous. Whoa. How I'm much not nervous you, wait, at all. How much are you buying it for? Eight, $825,000. Oh, that's a big loan, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, we, we've done enough to where we're confident and we're, we're, yeah. we're really how old are you again? 31. 31. Oh, 31. God bless you. Those are big numbers. <laughs> um, but I will say that the most nervous I ever was was buying that first property for $35,000, whereas yeah. a lot of CRNAs, could lose that much money and it wouldn't change their life. Um, right. I'm, I was still really nervous doing that. And each, each property has gotten a little bit bigger, a little bit more expensive. And now we're buying this one and we're looking at properties that are more expensive than that. Um, but that okay. we haven't, that's our largest one at this point. Okay. Got it. Do you think uh, your company will stay in uh, the residential side of things or will you, will you break into commercial? I th- so com- like non-residential commercial is probably what you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. After you get to um, residential of four or more units, it's still, con- it's a commercial loan. So it's still kind of oh, okay. considered commercial. Duly noted. Yeah. Um, so we, we've looked into that. Um, the, the returns on commercial are quite a bit less than mobile home parks. And we're right now we're looking for right? returns. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. I guess and it's I'm- lower, less risk. So less return. Is that fair? With the, um, with great, the great non-residential or uh, sorry, with yes. the non-residential commercial, it's, it's essentially less risk because you're not dealing with tenants and, you know, maybe some of the headaches associated with being uh, doing mm-hmm. that work. So that's it's less risk if it's, you know, some stable company that signs a three year lease. Right. Right. Yeah. And they're tied to that right. lease. The, the only thing that they get, that can get them out of those leases is bankruptcy, which right. I mean, happens. But to your point, it's, it's less risky. So much more stable, much more yeah. stable. If someone said, this is super interesting, and I think um, I, I think I find it so odd that, like you said, I, I think it was before we were starting the podcast, we said people should talk about their finances more because to me, mm-hmm. your your finances is really just a reflection of your energy and risk, right? You, you have energy, you go into the workforce, you get something in exchange for that energy, and you take it and you try to do something either you enjoy or 
you know, invest in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love all this stuff. Like we we drive a used car that's ten years old. Um, so right. you know, keep you know, keep it super. Um, <laughs> Mister, have you ever heard of Mister Money Mustache? I've heard of him. I don't follow him too closely. Yeah. He's uh, he's a, he's extreme. He's extreme. Like he's crazy about you know personal finance. But and I've always been interested in this stuff. Yeah. I think there's a good balance. Um, like definitely dri- driving around in a car that's going to break down at any point. That's probably right. less. It's it's smarter to drive something you can rely on because I don't know. Like I, I think there's yeah, a good balance. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Whole... I think though I was really impressed when I learned that he was riding a bike to the grocery store and he got like a cart behind him. And that's how he was saving. And then he like, he's an engineer. So he calculated how much he was saving each car ride. It was like a dollar or something. And maybe it was $5. But then when you, to your point, when you add all those dollars up in compound interest and, you know, he's doing pretty well. Ironically, he's, he's moved to uh, my adopted home city of Phoenix. Anyway, I digress. If someone (laughs) came to you, if someone Mm -hmm. came to you and said, Hey, I have $50,000, right? I'm going to go put that in a vanguard or fidelity low-cost mutual fund right and i'm going to get six percent back or something like that right which is probably would you say that's that's probably fair five to seven percent probably on average mm-hmm. what's the difference between doing that right because a lot of crnas a lot of mds they have that kind of money as they get into mid-career right they're looking for you know the, or at least they can if they're managing their money well um What's the difference between just putting our my money in there versus going to a, an investment company like yours? I'm curious. What what do you tell them? Well, so in in that there, there's only a couple ways you can make money when you put it in stock market, and I'll, I'll be completely upfront. I don't have any money in the stock market because I don't understand it. Whereas I understand okay. real estate. Okay. And mm-hmm. I, I'm a lot more confident with my ability to improve a property rather than throwing all. And it kind of goes back to control rather than giving my money to all these vanguard companies or whatever they are. And expecting mm-hmm. them to do well. And granted, they have a track record and you can mitigate your risk depending on their past performance, even though you know that doesn't indicate future gains. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. But in, in real estate, you make money you make money um three different ways. And I'm gonna see if I can spit them out here and remember. So you make money on the cash flow of the property, you make money on the depreciation of the property, and you make mm-hmm. money on the appreciation of the property. So real estate is the only thing that you mm-hmm. you can de- depreciate an a an appreciating asset. Hmm. So you and just for those who don't understand, I think most people understand appreciate right because the market goes up, right? Mm-hmm. Everything is trends up two three percent a year on average. Um, mm-hmm. But what about depreciate? Can you can you put that into understandable term? Yeah. So on on say a rental property, uh, the roof is expected to last. Um, I think roof is twenty year property. So for example, right. let's just say it's twenty year property. Um, each year or the the cost of the roof. Um, say it's a $20,000 roof, you can depreciate $1,000 of the roof every single year because it's expected to need to be replaced in 20 years. Okay. So that would be the depreciation part. So each year you can, you can, uh, you can claim $1,000 less of taxes on that property. So if my tax bill was, you know, yeah, if I'm a CRNA making $250,000, 1099, it's probably that's low now, but um, well, for a full-time person it's low. Um, and my tax bill is fifty thousand dollars, and I depreciate by a thousand. Now my tax bill is forty nine thousand dollars. Is that an accurate understanding? Um, that would be a, and this, taxes. This is, is so where you say this is where you say consult with CPA. Consult yeah, definitely a CPA. consult a CPA. So taxes are <laughs> so 
um that that's a whole like 10 hour oh, session yeah. or whatever which oh, yeah. yeah definitely talk to a cpa so that's that that would be considered a tax credit so if your tax bill is fifty thousand dollars and you get a thousand yeah. dollar tax credit it would be forty nine thousand mm-hmm. dollars but if you're getting mm-hmm. a depreciation you're taxed say you made two hundred fifty thousand to your example yeah. Instead of being taxed on two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you'd be now taxed on two hundred forty nine thousand dollars. So it wouldn't oh, necessarily right. So yeah, it would only it would only lower your bill by whatever your tax rate of which yeah. is which is like you know twenty or thirty percent something like that. Exactly. So it'd be yeah. two. Okay, that's duly noted. See, and this is why I hire a CPA definitely. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's have, it's uh, so complicated. But I mean, the properties that you're that that we're buying, um, mobile home parks, as I mentioned earlier, um, you yeah. can depreciate anywhere well our most recent property we're going to be able to depreciate about 70 percent of the purchase price in the first year well I, um because of the new rules it's it's 80 percent of the uh 80 percent of that so Got it's it. going to decrease our tax bill substantially rather than just the one thousand dollars in that example very interesting very interesting cool man yeah i think it's just so cool that you're maintaining we don't even so the reason I, I thought this was so interesting is because there's so many CRNAs who are, well, we're a bigger community than we used to be, right? I mean, there's 60,000 of us or so, right? And that's gone up considerably. Like the, the rate of rise is increasing. Um, so, you know, 30 years ago, I don't know this number specifically, but we may have graduated 500, right? But now we're graduating 3,000 every year. Um, and I think more and more people are interested in these types of activities, right? This is part of the deconstruction of what an anesthesia career can do. And I think if people are, like people do not realize, I'm going to get on my pulpit for a moment. People do not realize how unbelievably fortunate they are to be born in this country, in this time and have this perfect, like we don't even exist anywhere else. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's like, you're going to make a lot of money. You're going to like catapult into the top 10%. And those are market driven, right? Um, but still, it's like you, if you're smart, you know, you can invest, you know, with Josh. Mm-hmm. Maybe that should be your, your podcast. Invest with Josh. Yeah. So. Invest with Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, I mean, we talked about control earlier. This, this was yeah. this was never a goal to make a big real estate company. company. Um, but I yeah. see how it's been able to change my life. And now I want to extend that to other people, whether it's through sure. seeing what I'm doing and maybe giving it a shot yourself or or maybe investing with us. And I'm I'm not trying to make this a pitch or anything other than yeah, I know I'm not, not at all. Yeah. Other than I do think everybody needs to have some sort of alternative income um, because I fell into the trap right as right out of school, picking up every shift I could every possible Mm -hmm. shift. And in 2019, like I took so much call. I I almost feel like I lost an entire year of my life because Mm -hmm. I felt like that was the only way to make money. Yep. And now I'm, now I'm realizing that it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot better options rather than just picking and granted picking up shifts is a great way to p- make money yeah to hey man i run an anesthesia shifts. company with partners don't you know we oh <laughs> sorry he's got to do the anesthesia somebody's got to right. do the cut anesthesia. that out cut it out <laughs> <laughs> uh but, no, no, but I, I, to your point i think it's smart to diversify right i mean mm-hmm. that's just good business it's just good to be diversified in the in the ways that whether it's i mean one of the first things i did when i was your age was get a really good disability policy Right. Because I was 1099 right away. Like you diversify the, and that's a part of risk mitigation. And these are things we don't talk about, kind of a, the hidden side of an anesthesia career. But um, but yeah, they're super important. So yeah, I like it. And cool, it, man. back to that point, like if, if as soon as you stop picking up those shifts, the money stops coming in. But if yes. you're if you're buying assets and you're buying cash flow producing properties, you stop working, but the, the you still have the property and still producing for you. 
Yeah, especially that appreciation depreciation thing. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty fascinating. I did not know that. Josh, I've really enjoyed having you on. I keep these relatively sh- like I, I feel like I could talk to you for like another hour, but I have a rule: we keep these to about twenty minutes. Otherwise, well, otherwise I never get in on and do them because I'm busy outside <laughs> of this. And uh, and I figured it's just kind of the perfect length. Josh, this was really cool. We're gonna have you on again, man. I look forward to it. Yeah. You got to come back on when you hit like when you do your first five million dollar deal. You should come back on and tell us all about it. All right, you know? next month. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I was like, really? Wow. So no, awesome, man. We'll take. That's yeah, great. thanks for being on, Josh. This was really cool. Appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thank you all for tuning into Anesthesia Deconstructed. I'm your host, Joe Rodriguez, alongside Mike McKinnon. Thank you to our producer, Adkins Media. If you enjoyed our conversation today, we'd truly appreciate it. If you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, your feedback helps us bring more value to our listeners. If you have any questions, topics you'd like us to delve into, or just general feedback, don't hesitate to send us an email or direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Onward, friends, and thanks for listening.